Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, this is just a very quick public service announcement for everybody listening. If you wish to jump straight into the interview with Mr. Steve Caballero, uh, you want to go ahead and skip about 16 minutes in to the podcast because I am about to open my heart and go on a very long rambling introduction, uh, which for the people who've been listening to the show for, for a long time will maybe find something of note and interest in. But for people who are just discovering the show and just want to hear Cab Talk, you probably don't want to shift through 15 minutes of me. So uh, if you do want to jump straight in and listen to the interview, go right ahead and skip to about 16 minutes in. But for the rest of you, buckle up because the therapy session is about to commence. Um, this conversation with Cab, I'm very excited to share. I'm a little bit apprehensive. Um, and if you're here for the kind of typical Steve Caballero skateboarding punk rock story interview, um, you might be, I don't want to say disappointed, but you'll be uh, caught off guard and surprised by the nature of this conversation. Um, those chats with Steve exist. There's dozens of them. They're out there. If you want to hear him talking about skateboarding and punk rock, I would look elsewhere. Uh, initially, that was my intention. You know, we're on a boat full of punk rockers and skateboarders and everybody was coming to hear Cab, I presume, talk about those subjects. And initially, that was going to be the line of, of questioning and conversation that I was going to take. However, something happened to me on that boat this year that I can only describe as a radical spiritual awakening. Um, this is the point where some people start to go, oh, it's like that, is it? It is, I'm afraid. Um, and I don't really know how. It all happened. It's all a little bit of a blur. I'm still trying to piece together the broken puzzle. But on the first night of the cruise, I had a very intense, emotional, 
quite um, heartbreaking conversation with a friend of mine. And it brought up a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And after that, I was in a different headspace. And it wasn't bad. It was just heightened and hyper aware. And then I started having different conversations with all of these people. And I came to realize through the week that that flogging Molly Cruz really is like the absolute embodiment of community. And it is such a microcosm of humanity and society in ways that all of the other cruises and festivals and tours and events that I've had the pleasure of experiencing just don't even come close. There's real human struggle and triumph and heartbreak and grief and and celebration of life. All of these themes are, if you're looking for it and you're in tune to it and you're aware of it, they are there in all of the devastating beauty and power and glory um, in which we find these themes on a mass scale all over the world. They're just kind of microcosmically crystallized on this boat for five days and I had so many intense conversations that brought up really deep-rooted, buried, profound, overwhelming in many cases emotions that I've realized I've been running from my whole life and, and masking and hiding with alcohol. And this is not a recovery podcast, uh, but these themes, as you know, if you'll have listened since the start, do sometimes come up, sobriety and recovery and addiction and, and mental health. And faith is a subject that I haven't discussed much on this show. I've talked about faith and religion and spirituality more on my other podcast with Jesse Leach from Killswitch Engage, Stoke the Fire. Um, so if this is a, an area of in, interest to you, then please do go and, and check out that podcast as well. Um, Life in the Stocks is more about the life stories, but in the case of Steve Caballero, other than skateboarding and punk rock, the big theme and influence in his life is God and is his relationship with God. And by the time it reached the final day on the boat, I was just so overwhelmed and, and really kind of broken, um, but not in a bad way. I, I, I'd hit rock bottom. I'd had a a breakdown, but it was also a breakthrough. And I realized for the first time in my life, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, I'm in pain, I'm confused, I'm lost, I'm drowning, and, and to use a boat analogy, and I need help. And I burst into tears one night, it was actually the first night, I continued to party after this till the, the final day, because um, I realized it was going to be my last hurrah, and I wanted to have one last good go at it, but on the first proper day at sea, I went into the chapel on board the boat, and I fell to my hands and knees in tears, and I prayed to God and I asked him for help. I pretty much pleaded with my higher power to pull me out of the pits of despair that I've been living in for so many years and I've been feeling so lost and adrift and despondent for so long and, and just really lacking in any kind of purpose and real meaningful connection and that's the whole reason I do this show. It's why I interview people. It's why I DJ and I tour and I travel and everything that I do is about that quest for connection. And I realized that a lot of these connections that I've been craving my whole life have been right in front of me the whole time. I've just muddied the water with alcohol and drugs and I've clouded my perspective of, of my truth and my version of, of life as I go about it. And, um, it was a profound spiritual awakening. As I said, I don't want to come across too intense and put anybody off, but that was where my head was at going into this conversation with Steve Caballero on board the boat on the last day. 
of the Flogging Molly cruise. So, and we'd never really properly spoken before. We'd met in passing. He obviously knew we were doing this live podcast, but he didn't know me at this point. And I had a quick word with him. I say backstage, it was behind a little curtain to the side of the stage. The room's filling up and everybody's coming in. And I said, Steve, um, obviously you're known for three things, I would say, skateboarding, punk rock, and, you know, faith. Uh, And I imagine most people coming here want to hear you talk about the first two things. But I really want to talk to you about the latter, if that is okay with you. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, oh, man, I could see he was hesitant. I could see he was a little bit afraid because, you know, traditionally punk rockers, skateboarders, alternative thinking people aren't perhaps the most open uh, when it comes to conversations about God and religion. Um, If anything, they are against, you know, institutions of power such as the church. Uh, and Steve was like, man, if we go out there and we talk about this stuff, it might piss some people off. And I said, yeah, it might. But from some of the conversations that I've had this week, I think you'd be surprised as to how many people probably really need and want to hear about this stuff. They maybe just don't even know it. Selfishly, I know I do. And if you trust me enough, that's where I'd like to go today. And he kind of was like, well, I don't know you, let alone trust you. But... Uh, He went there with me, and I have to commend and applaud Steve for that because it could have gone the other way. We could have just had people walking out and booing, and it could have been, you know, a disaster. But I had, no pun intended, faith in the fact that it was the right thing to do with the right person in front of the right crowd at the right time. Everything just felt right to me. And so I went out there and I said what I said, and you'll hear it soon enough. Um, just wanted to kind of give you the context before going into this. So apologies for the the long rambling intro this week, but here we are. Um, and then Steve just, you know, he was, he was a little bit uh, hesitant at first to go there. And you'll hear that too. I kind of ask him about God and his relationship with God. And he sort of dances around the subject for a little while maybe just to read the room check that he's amongst friends i totally understand that and i didn't you know push him but i did also want to go there so i did follow up on that question and that topic and and slowly but surely and organically and authentically we got into it and then we got into it more and more and it became a really vulnerable raw emotional open forum and we invited people from the crowd to to share their stories. In some cases, they asked questions. In other cases, they just sort of piped up and said where you know they were at at that moment in time. And it was so therapeutic and wonderful and and restorative for me. And it that was my day one um, as I chose it of of no longer drinking or putting other things in my body. Like I've had breaks in the past. I've danced back and forth with partying and sobriety for the last ten years. I've had a great time drinking it's led to some amazing friendships and opportunities and adventures and memories and moments in my life but I realized on that boat once and for all I'm completely and utterly done with that life and I'm ready for something more um and and part of that new path which I'm in the initial stages of walking at the moment is a relationship with my higher power um and a commitment to being sober and so yeah as I talk to you today I'm 20 days in i think i haven't checked my app today but i'm coming up on three weeks i've been in australia for nearly three weeks as well so day one was the last day of the cruise and 
that's the journey I've been on since then. I've been going to AA meetings fairly regularly out here. Um, and I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be, surrounded by an amazing network of friends and and supportive community members in this new fellowship that I've recently joined and I'm loving. Um, it's, you know, it's like group therapy. It's like a, it's like this podcast you're about to hear basically, uh, every day for an hour. Um, and yeah, I've made some amazing friends already through there. And some of my oldest and, and dearest friends have reached out to me and sent me messages, the likes of which they've never sent before. Um, so I definitely feel like where I am at, right now geographically spiritually emotionally mentally everything is exactly where i need to be um and i feel very grateful for my newfound sobriety and relationship with the big guy upstairs and uh if you want to be cynical about that or knock that or mock that then that is completely okay because uh, we're all on our own trip um and this is just where i've landed and where i hope to remain and uh i feel a sense of peace and contentment like i've never had before uh, and a huge part of my recovery was this conversation that you're about to hear. It gave me the conviction and the strength and the resolve to move forward in the way that I really wanted to. So I have to thank Steve Caballero from the bottom of my heart for this really wonderful connection that we got to share on stage in front of a room full of like-minded, beautiful people. Um, I want to thank everybody who came to see the the event uh, as it unfolded live and everybody for being really cool and understanding and supportive on the boat um, in regards to, you know, where I was at on that last day. Even if people didn't directly know, I think they could sense and tell. And it's just an amazing community that boat is. It's, it's like none other I've ever experienced and I cannot wait already to go back in 2025 and and catch up with everybody again and reconnect in the physical realm. But I've been talking fairly regularly to a lot of people on the boat. Um, and, and everybody's been so lovely and so kind and so supportive. Um, I'm choking up a little bit. So all I have to do now is hold out that my voice comes back completely. Um, but other than that, I feel really, really great uh, and grateful. Um, so, yeah, that's a nearly 15 minute long introduction. But I wanted to just open my heart and, and give it to you. And there it is. Uh, and without further ado, let's let's get into this. Once again, thank you so much to Cab for just being the dude. Uh, this conversation will forever mean a lot to me. And I hope that, you know, whatever your thoughts on spirituality, uh, I hope that you get something positive out of this conversation. And I hope that it makes you think about things in a curiosity-inspiring kind of a way. Uh, and just yeah once again thank you to everybody involved with and on board the flogging molly salty dog cruise this year for changing my life and giving me the strength that i needed to pull myself out of the hole that i've been in for way too long um and step forward with a newfound purpose in my heart and my soul so thank you so much to everybody uh, and thank you to you dear friend for listening to this here it is episode 306 of Life in the Stocks with Steve Caballero as recorded live on board the Flogging Molly Salty Dog Cruise 2023. Get the white skin and destroy. Have the 
as you can hear, I picked a fight with the party and the party won. What's actually interesting is that um, I did one of these things on day two of the cruise with an English country singer-songwriter called Beans on Toast. And now somehow I sound exactly like the English country folk singer Beans on Toast. It's almost as if our spirits, throats and, and entire essence merged in the process of that conversation. Kind of empty amazing, isn't it, really? Is that a good Beans on Toast impression or what? Everywhere I walk on the boat, I keep hearing him playing as well. And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so my name's Matthew Stocks. And uh, the day this boat docks in Miami tomorrow, I'm going to fly to Australia and try and find myself because I've been lost. I've been lost for a long time. Um, and this cruise experience, this is my fourth flogging Molly one, but my sixth with Sixthman overall. And um, what these cruises have become to me is a microcosm of life in all its rich, intense tapestry, from romance to heartbreak to grief to friendship to, you know, once-in-a-lifetime moments that shape your worldview. And so I'm coming in hard on day four. I'm coming in hard. This, this is not going to be a conversation about skateboarding and punk rock. My guest today is an inspirational hero in both of those worlds, and both of those worlds exist and thrive on this boat. And uh, every day there's been the basketball court flipped into a, you know, like an 80s Venice Beach pool party moment, and it's just a beautiful celebration of the culture that we all love and uh, identify with. But beyond that, there's obviously other life stuff going on. And... Um, there's a lot to get into today. So I would like to introduce one of the wisest, nicest, kindest, coolest, most inspirational human beings alive, not just on this boat, but on any boat anywhere. Please give it up for Steve Caballero. Have yourself a seat there, Steve. My name's Jay, a.k.a. Beans on Toast. It's nice, Matt. Um, the mic is on. It's there. We had a very quick powwow backstage before coming out, and um, I just said, Steve, do you trust me? And he was like, <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. I um, barely know you. What's very interesting to me is punk rock in its essence should be... Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Look at that honey auntie. Legend, is it Deirdre or Deirdre? They say it differently in the the US of A, but we say Deirdre. It's Deirdre. Give it up for D. There's a, there's also Elliot back there. Is E? So we've got E and D. They've both got microphones too. I mean, Steve, are going to bring you into this conversation because what I would like to try and get into is the uh, the emotions and moments that these cruises really do. I think embody i mean you've been on a few of them too this is not your first rodeo has anybody been on more than one salty dog cruise let's see how many has been on more than one so and then first timers first timers so it's about half, about half and half steve um this is family man this is real this is real stuff a lot of genres and events and bands and businesses try to project the idea of community as a you know enticing thing to sell some tickets this 
Salty Dog Cruise is the most community-driven and defined experience I've ever been a part of. Um, and I was, as I said, when I came out, very lost for many months before coming here. And there's a chapel at the back of this room there. And I was on my hands and my knees crying and asking for help because I just didn't know where else to look. And I asked the big fella, like, can you help me out? And I don't know whether it was him or you or me or us, but over the last few days, in answer to that um, ask for help, everybody that is here has shown up for, for me in one way, shape or form. And the stories that I've shared, heard, told um, and lived on this boat in the last few days has kind of reinstated my hope in humanity truly um so steve sorry this is the longest introduction ever he's like oh my god is is this an audio book or an interview what's going on um it's it's taboo to bring up religion in front of punk rockers because they all hate establishment and you know the man but let's talk about faith let's talk about spirituality let's talk about trying to be better people um and how do we get a sense of contentment and peace and hope and joy in our hearts and lives Steve Caballero. Well, I mean, everyone's looking for some kind of peace in their life, and everyone finds it in, in different things. Uh, they find it in their job. They find it in their careers. They find it in um, accomplishing goals, maybe in a relationship. Um, but there's different levels as far as when it comes to having a peace of mind and and... You know, this world is definitely full of a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, it's gotten worse over the years, uh, maybe because we're so um, connected to people and the things that happen around us. If you think about it, before we had the Internet, before we had cell phones, I mean, all this same stuff was going on, but you just didn't know about it. So, like, now it's like, we know what's going on everywhere, whether it's good or bad. And when it comes to social media, of course, you know, especially like in movies, drama is like the most attractive thing. It's like you're attracted when other people are going through the drama. <laughs> it catches your attention when you see something going on with other people. You know, but when it's in your own home, it's definitely something that you don't want to share with anybody. Because I, I guess maybe you maybe feel like you're weak or, you know, but we're all human. You know, um, it's been a, a crazy, like, adventure, um, you know, coming from a, a town in San Jose, California. And, you know, growing up in a split family, uh, father leaving when I was 11. Um, I'm the youngest of five, but I've always felt like an only child, you know, because I didn't have this connection with my brothers and my sister because they're all grown up. So I basically grew up on the streets, um, and that's where I discovered skateboarding and eventually discovered punk rock. But skateboarding was definitely something uh, that I connected to because it was an individual thing. When you're at school... It's more like a social thing. So sports, it's always a social thing. You have to have you have to do this in a group, you know. 
And I always felt, because of my stature, I was really, always really short for my age. So, you know, um, I always looked a lot younger than I was. So, um, you know, skateboarding didn't have, you know, that prejudice of size or where you came from. So it was something I was connected to. And so I chose that path rather than uh, a, um, a high school sports. I felt like I didn't fit in, you know, and skateboarding. Actually, BMX was something I was attracted to before skateboarding. And, but skateboarding uh, became my family. Um, a really cool thing about skateboarding, it introduced me to rock and roll because I grew up on the southeast side of San Jose, <clears throat> and it was predominantly black and, and Mexican, you know, community. Um, there may be some Caucasians over here. We called them the stoners. <laughs> they listened to rock and roll. But when I went... Aussie rolls. <laughs> when I went to the other side of town, which was predominantly white, uh, and at the skateboard parks where they were built, it was rock and roll. And so I got introduced to ACDC, Cheap Trick, and Aerosmith. And that was my music now. You know, because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be a skateboarder. And uh, so that became my, uh, my taste in music. And eventually, rock and roll really quickly actually went into New Wave. You had bands like Gary Newman, uh, Devo, um, the B-52s. Devo also and then quickly right after that, it went Ramones, Sex Pistols, Daddy Cadenese. And when I discovered punk rock, I'm like, wow, this is just like skateboarding. You know, no rules, kind of doing your own thing. And, um, yeah, that was my choice of music. And I don't know if you know this, once you become a punk rocker, everything else sucks. <laughs> All genres suck. You're the coolest. You don't listen to anything but punk rock. And that's where I fell into and... That's, so that's my connection between skateboarding and punk rock, and it, it came from skateboarding, you know. And when does the big fella enter the equation? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like 1979. <laughs> A lot of, has happened from 1979 till uh, 2005 when I became a man of faith. But... You know, from 1964 to 2005, I really didn't have a spiritual path or I was just kind of following my own path, you know. Because um. you, you must have found a certain sense of drive and community with skateboarders and with punk rockers and, and with the success that you had. Like, you did pretty good, um, but she wasn't quite there. No, I mean, obviously I was choosing my own path and, and just following my dreams to become a professional skateboarder. And then uh, 1982, I form a band with some friends from the skateboard park and we start the faction and, you know, presume... Any faction uh, fans in the house? That's what's up. So I pursued my dream in punk rock. <laughs> And we, you know, we toured the U.S. twice in a small van. Actually, Adam Baum is here from the faction. I don't know if he's here. But uh, he's on this cruise, and Adam's actually been on this cruise every single one. He hasn't missed one, right, Carl? 
Oh, okay. And how many we have you been on? Have one. you been on the cruise with him the whole time? Yes. How many is that? Well, I've done three, he's done four. Okay. Yeah, so. I think there's, yeah, there's at least been five or six. Yeah. I've only done three. I think he's done five. Okay. But, um, yeah, so, you know, um, like I said, um, I was already a professional skateboarder in two, two years prior to starting this punk rock band. So that definitely helped get the word out for our music. And, um, you know, uh, when the band first started, it was like, the faction featuring Steve Caballero, pro skateboarder. And, you know, I kind of felt weird about that because it seemed like it was just weird that they had to use that to attract people, which is understandable. But I, I kind of felt like the, the band made it when my name got taken off. And it was just the factions playing tonight with, you know, fear or social distortion. Um, I interviewed John Feldman a few years back, and he said that one of his first gigs was watching you guys oh really yeah he was like they were a very influential and important band on the scene i wonder if and that's coming in the 80s early 80s. it's like 83 84 yeah. i think yeah wow and it's funny like because you know i think when you're known for something other than music before you get known for music yeah the chips are always stacked against you like i had billy bob Thornton on the show recently and nobody will ever take his music seriously because he's a radical actor but like his music's legit and amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, here's this skater guy trying to play songs. And it's like, but I've always been doing both. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. So, you know, uh, with anything like skateboarding, um, it's always had this kind of DIY attitude. And that's, I, I think that's why I kind of fell in love with punk rock because punk rock has always had a DIY kind of thing around it. You know, um, you could do your own tours on your own. You could make your own T-shirts. You could, I mean, I remember printing um, faction T-shirts in my backyard. I had bought an uh, Aaron Brothers uh, screen printing kit because I wanted to sell T-shirts on a tour in the 80s. And I remember I already had a business sense, you know, back then at 17. Um, my dad had a print shop and I told him to buy these Starliner sticker packs and so we could print faction stickers and then we cut them out and then, so after each show uh going on this tour around the u.s i would be in the back slinging stickers and t-shirts that i printed myself you know and i made my own skate zine back in the day called skate punk 1980 so um and then zines got really huge uh, over time, I'd trade zines all over the U.S. with different skaters and different, you know, guys in punk rock bands. And, um, yeah, it's just been a pretty amazing journey to see where skateboarding and punk rock has, has come. And to be on a cruise like this is pretty insane. Um, and the cruise is amazing. I have to give it up to... Flog and Molly and... and um, well, let's all raise a glass to Flog and Molly and show our respect and gratitude for yeah. facilitating the best party every year. Um, so my connection with Flog and Molly is Matt Hensley, um, pro skateboarder, <clears throat> amazing pro skateboarder in the you know, late 80s, early 90s. Um, he's rode for H Street. And, uh, and I think the same thing, you know, skateboarding... 
um, introduced Matt to music, and he picked up an instrument, and here we are on his boat cruise. <laughs> it's crazy where your life leads you um, if you just follow your dreams. And um, a lot, I have this argument. I've had it with my oldest brother as well. Um, I have this argument, and I will have this argument to the day I die. Um, I don't believe in natural talent. I believe that everybody works really hard at what they do. Uh, nothing comes naturally. Um, I remember the first time I picked up a skateboard, I fell off it very easily. That was not natural. Uh, first time I picked up a pencil to draw something, I drew, drew stick figures. That was not natural. Um, first time I picked up an instrument, I didn't even know how to tune my guitar. I had to call Ray Stevens from the Drunk Engines, Los Ovidados, to every time we were practiced with the faction, I'd have to give Ray a call and say, hey, can you come over and tune my bass? Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, so, um, like I said, you know, everybody puts many hours into what they do, and that's how they get really, really good at it. And then, obviously, when you get good at something, you get noticed by it, and then it just, you know, these things that, that, that people connect with, it, it brings them memories or it gives them joy. And so that's, you know, that's been the best thing about my journey is meeting all these people and, and how we're all connected in a way that we just want to enjoy life to its fullest, you know. And it's hard to enjoy your life when you got all these anxieties and stress and problems and, and things that we think matter but don't really matter at all, <laughs> you know? So obviously your parents are supposed to teach you these things, but that's not always the case, you know? Sometimes you come up from with broken families, so you don't have a, a strong father figure or your, your mother's not there to nurture you, so you don't get that. So it, I, 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 I feel that it's not natural for people to start families and then split them up you know unless it's very toxic then yes i can see that that you should get away from that but obviously if if this was a perfect world it would work out perfectly but we're not we don't live in a perfect world we're not perfect we weren't created that way and we make mistakes and um, some people learn from the mistakes and some people don't I'm still learning from the mistakes that I make all the time. You know, I'm not perfect. But I do follow a path that has, shines a lot of perfection, and I try to follow that path. And that's been the guidance that's helped me realize what's important and what's not. <clears throat> because a lot of people can go through life chasing this dream and this idea that they feel that's going to fulfill them and that's what they've chosen to do. But then at the end of the day, they're empty. You know, that's why it's a proven fact that it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're, you can still be uh, suicidal, uh, empty. It doesn't matter how famous you are. You know, I mean, we all have seen the news. We've all seen what happens to some really, really f famous rich people they just they don't want to live anymore and there's a reason for that is because like you said they're lost 
they're empty. They thought that that dream that they chased their whole life was going to fulfill them, but it didn't. So there's a reason why you don't want to live anymore. Because you're lost and you're empty and you don't have anything that sustains you. Well, I have a relationship with God. <clears throat> so if I lost my house, if I lost all my toys, if I lost all my money, I would still be happy. Even if I lost all my friends, I would still be happy because that's not what sustains me. It's my relationship with God that sustains me. And that's what keeps me on a level playing field. <clears throat> and that's what helps me get through life. And if that's going to help me get through life, then that's what I choose to do. And it doesn't matter, you know, what people think. You know, obviously, I, I want to be tender uh, because I was on the other side of that for 41 years. And so I understand being that born-again Christian dude that, that's trying to convert you. In my heart, do I want to convert all of you? Of course. But I'm not going to do it in a way that pushed me away from it for 41 years. I think I'm a little bit smarter than that and wiser to not be that dude. You know, so I'm going to love you guys in a way where we have a relationship so you can trust me, not have this book of, you know, sayings and poems and stories and shove it right in your face. I don't think that's a proper way to do it. Um, I think if you want to love someone to God, you got to do it not by words, but by your actions, because we all know that, you know, actions speak louder than words. Um, at this point... If That's a soft version. Yeah, that is a soft version. We're gentle, Steve, we're gentle. Uh, D and E, if you wouldn't mind switching your microphones on, we'd like to invite you guys into the mix at this point, and... Uh, we would love to hear some stories about how this cruise has maybe reinforced your uh, belief in life or love or, you know, just uh, we want to hear some real moments that this cruise has created. Because I'll tell you one that's profound and stupid and funny <laughs> and all of the things that life is. Um, I met this dude who brought his brother's ashes to scatter on the boat because he was a big Pennywise fan. But he got too excited and just spilt them on the floor in the Stardust there when Pennywise were playing. Now, that is some crazy, funny, insane stuff. So um, you don't have to beat that story because it's quite a good one. But um, it's amazing, right? Um, would anybody like to share anything about a moment that this cruise has done for them in a positive way? Here we are. Uh, e, down the front here, lady with the blue hair. What's your name? Where are you from? Uh, hi, I'm Lauren from Rhode Island. I uh, I just want to say I've, well, honored to meet you. And uh, You're welcome. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I follow a lot of different types of music, and the the crowds of people who are are at different shows and are at different festivals, you can tell a lot of difference. Um, and something that is 
a part of this scene that I really, really appreciate is in the crowd, you don't feel pretentiousness. You don't feel passive aggressiveness. And it's, it's very welcoming. And that is something that always, you know, it warms your heart and it gives you more faith in humanity. And uh, so that's why I always like being around this crew of people because, oh, everyone's great and everyone's more of the you-go-on kind of type and not the, you know, I like we're separate kind of type so it's it's just nice to be be here and uh be around everybody hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Who's next? Come on in. I just talked with, to my wife and we, I got a question that I can't answer on my own. I'm an atheistic, so I don't believe in God. And uh, my question would be, you found God and I'm... Um, and I feel I'm happy for you that you found it. And do you, you said you love the people because of God. And um, my question would be, if you would lose faith in God, do you think you would still love the people? Um, no. Um, if I answered that correctly. Uh, let me explain it. I feel like because I know God, I know how to love people on a, a better way because love that's a, a very strange word people express it differently and some people will express love in a way that's not loving so you know that's a it's a very vague word uh that gets thrown around really easily but because of my connection with god and 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 Christianity and, and, and learning about Jesus, the way that he shared love taught me an unconditional way of showing love. Like, as an atheist myself at one point, I felt like I didn't know how to sh 
share love in a correct manner. And I felt it was very conditional. And the most expressive love that you can share with anybody is one without a condition. If it has a condition behind it, then it's not, it's not a great way because you're trying to get something out of your kindness. <clears throat> I'm going to share this story. Or before I became a Christian, uh, I was uh, speaking with uh, my teammate, Lance Mountain. And um, he asked me the same question. What do I, do I know what love is? Well, of course I know what love is. He's like, okay, let's say you open the door for somebody in a scenario and they just walk right through and they don't say thank you. How does that make you feel? Oh, well, you know, I did something. They didn't recognize what I did. You know, should they say thank you? You know, and I said, well, sure, I did a nice gesture for them. And he said, well, that's a, a wrong motive. You know, if you're going to open the door for somebody you, and you really want to share your love and do something kind, there shouldn't be something that happens you get out of it. It shouldn't be a thing where you're opening the door for someone to show how kind you are and you need that recipient of a, a thank you for doing that. A true love, when you give a present to someone, you're not expecting a present back. That's called the unconditional love. So it really taught me uh, my motive of doing things nicely for people. Like, am I really doing these things nicely for people out of the kindness of my heart or am I doing it to get something out of return? You know, so you always have to check your motive. Everything is always kind of surrounds itself about motives. And I've used lots of motives to get where I, I am. And I'm not ashamed of it, you know. But when it's hurtful, then, it, then it's a bad thing, you know. Um, and if someone's trying to offer you a nice gesture, but then you make it negative, then your motive was wrong. Do you know what I mean? So you can apply that to like all of your life. If you give a gift to somebody, don't expect a gift back. Just do it out of the kindness of your heart. Anything, whether you're helping them move or you've got to lend them money or whatnot, you know. Um, true love, what I've learned <clears throat> through the life of Jesus Christ is you do things with no motive behind it. You're not trying to get anything out of it. That is what love is. That's what I've learned in this life. Um, off the back of that very uh, poignant observation of that uh, dissection of, as you say, a very complicated word, phrase, idea, this couple right here are celebrating their honeymoon. Um, they got married three and a half years ago. They're a little bit late to their own party, but they're here. And we had a beautiful day on the beach yesterday, and it was just you know, torrential rain. Like, you know, it wasn't relaxing, but it was so dramatic and memorable. And I invited you up to come and watch Vlogging Molly by the side of the stage. I was doing my DJ set. And it's Eddie and Summer, by the way. Eddie and Summer, everybody, everybody. Um, I, look o I look over at Eddie, Steve, and he's like, you know, he's doing the little cry, which I do all the time. And he's having a weep. 
And I just saw him and I was like, in this moment. And I did that for you guys, not to say, not to then the next day do a podcast with Steve Caballero and hijack it about and make it about me. Although I'm doing a pretty good job of that. I did that because I wanted to do a nice thing for you two on a special occasion and anniversary in your life. And just your little eye quibble was all the reward I would ever want and need. It was a beautiful moment. And that's what it's all about, man, is making people happy without any expectation of a transactional return. So, yeah, becoming a Christian, I've cried a lot. I've cried a lot in church um, because those words that are being sung and things that are being talked about, they touch your heart, you know. And uh, they're ve- I've had very strong emotions um, listening to the Word of God and, and how it affects you and, and how things in life we connect to. And, you know, every time I go to church, the, the sermon that's being taught <clears throat> isn't always about me. It could be about somebody else in the crowd. It could be about something that I may experience a week later or a year later. So it'll be something that I remember if, if, if that message sinks in. Um, I go to church um, not because I have to. I go because I want to. Um, it's just like school. I mean, when you're going to school as a kid, did you really want to go to school? You know, you went because you had to. And you were taught supposedly certain things in life that you could use. I don't even know if I've used algebra once. Yeah. Nobody has. What's um, the point in it? It's like, also, Uwe Le Pissine. Like, who's going to go to France and ask where the swimming pool is? It's like, Dad's just going to take me there. I don't need to know yeah. how to ask that. It's and cool. you know, when I was younger, my mom tried to, to push me to go to a Catholic church. And I went because she wanted me to go. But I, I, it didn't really mean anything to me. I just went because I had to. And for school, same thing. I went because I had to go. Uh, wasn't always the most enjoyable place because, like I said, I felt like an outsider there. Um, and even when I became a pro skateboarder at age 15, I think I was a sophomore. I went from, from freshman to sophomore, I was an A and B student. And then I became sponsored, and I had to travel all the time, so I would always miss Fridays, tests and everything. And so my grades started to drop. You know, so I would get like C's and D's. So, you know, junior, senior year, I graduated with, with D's and C's. You know, I wasn't a straight A, B student, but I was traveling the world. I had an income coming in. I was making more money than my parents at age 15, 16, 17. So I felt like I That's was a on a... pretty outrageous concept in today's world as well, isn't it? That was paying for my mom's bills. I was living in her garage. Um at that time, you know, I was living with, they had formed a, a room in the garage with, I just had a mattress. I had a, a, a drum set, some power boards on the top, um, a VCR. Uh, and that's it. My dresser drawer and that's it. Maybe a little cooler. And I had like 80 to a hundred thousand dollars in the bank at that time. But I was just living, you know, just living at my mom's house. Uh, I had a ramp in the backyard, and I was able to move out and buy my own house from the garage to buy, purchasing my own house. And I think that's because, you know, I was taught at a very young age um, not to be a frugal, or to be frugal, 
but not to be uh, wasteful um, because I didn't grow up with much. So, you know, I already had a car. I had a 914, a 1974 914, a poor man's Porsche that I paid three grand for. Um, and so I didn't have a, um, you know, a car payment. So I was able to save money um, in the late 80s uh, from our for our board sales that we were getting in it, like, I would say 1986 is when Animal Search for Animal Chin came out, and that brought us to a whole new level. And between like 87 and 89, um, we were selling thousands and thousands of boards. I remember one month in 87, uh, I made $15,000 in one month from just board sales, and I was only getting $1 a board. Could you imagine if I got $2 a board? <laughs> that would be crazy, right? Well, you don't think about that when you're 17. You're like, oh, whatever, you know. You're making a lot of money. But so was, you know, George Powell and Stacey Peralta. They made thousands and millions of dollars. So long story short, I've been sponsored by Powell Peralta since 1979, and they've been my same board sponsor um, to this day. You're the only one to remain with one company. For that whole time as well, right? Are you the only? Pretty much. Uh, we've had our ups and downs. I've wanted to quit three or four times. But just like anything, like a relationship, uh, you're going to have your battles. You're going to want to quit. Um, but when you stick it through, um, I'm proud to say that, I, that they've been my only sponsor. You know? So, you know, and, you know, there's times where you can't stick it through. There's, they're just, it's just so toxic. You just got to get away. You know, I felt like with my relationship with Powell, there was things that that I didn't sit well with me, but it wasn't toxic. You know, it was arguments. And I could have easily said, been prideful and be like, I'm going to go to this other company because they're going to give me what I want. You know, sometimes I got with what I want and sometimes I didn't. But the fact that I didn't let it affect me and my relationship with them, you know, I, I can say that I've been with them all these years. And then next weekend we're celebrating um, this Bones Brigade experience thing that we're doing um, where we're going to get the whole band together Hell yeah. with Stacey Peralta. <laughs> Got Tony Hawk, Tommy Guerrero, Lance Mountain, Mike McGill. Rodney Mullen, we're all getting together, and we're having this thing called the Bones Brigade Experience. Um, we've already sold tickets. It's already sold out. We sold tickets for Saturday and Sunday. and uh, But it's just great to have that under my belt as far as someone can look at my life and look at the integrity that I've had with these companies. And same thing with Vans Shoes. I've been with Vans Shoes since 1988. And so... Once again, the relationship with them has been rocky, just like this boat has been for the last 24 hours. <laughs> Classic. And, uh, yeah, I've wanted to quit Vans tons of times, but I didn't, you know, because uh, things just didn't sit well with me with them. Uh, but we worked through the bumps, and um, last year I celebrated 30 years uh, with the half-cap shoe with them, which has been amazing. I think both of those examples are a testament to your character because, like, once the money comes in, right, a lot of things change yeah. often. Egos, greed, the classic themes. But um, sometimes enough's enough, right? And you're just like, 
as you say, it ain't always easy. It creeps so. in. I mean, I'm still greedy at times. You know, I, I still have a lot of faults in my life. And do I wish them to go away? Of course. But, you know, there's like a tug, you know, there's always going to be a spiritual battle. There's going to be a life that I want to live outside of God. And there's going to be a life I live inside his realm. And, you know, you know, you know, you know, you see the cartoon, remember the, the devil on one side and the angel on one side trying to give you an advice. And, you know, that's a choice you have to make, you know, and I think that everybody, um, you know, we were, we were brought on this earth to be able to make choices, you know, and unfortunately some people make choices for us and ends up in bad, we end up in bad places, you know? So, um, I believe in free will. I believe I can choose what path I want. I can choose yes or no at, at the time. And I feel that other people can make those same choices that affect you personally. But most of the time, we are our own worst enemy. And we are the, to blame for where we are in life. And the great thing is the fact that you can wake up every single day. Like right now, you guys can wake up tomorrow and choose a different path because you're that powerful, you know. You're that strong that you can make a choice and no one can stop you but you. Isn't that amazing? Nobody can tell you what to do. You know, um, and that is the beauty of life and, and that's how I feel, you know. So, you know, Obviously, alcohol is very popular. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> it can be good. It can be bad. The one thing I love about alcohol is it really shows your true character. That's what I love about it. I love being around drunk people because then you know who they really are. You know, they ain't going to hide anything from you. I know I won't <laughs> when I'm drunk. But so if anyone is to ever blame for doing something bad because they are drunk, don't blame alcohol. Blame yourself because that's your, that's you. That's the real you. Without the alcohol, we walk around like turtles in these shells, all shy. Like when I was in high school, I would never be in front of all you people talking on a mic. My lip would be quivering, you know. I was so nervous and so shy as a little kid. But over the years... You know, I've been in front of people, a lot of people. I've done a lot of interviews, so I've gotten a little better at it. You know, I can talk to you guys without my lip quivering. <laughs> you know, um, I feel a little bit more courageous to speak my mind. Um, and, and also, you know, living as a punker, not caring what people think, you know. And I, I think that's the premise of uh, that attitude. You know, punk rock is not a type of music it's a it's an attitude it's how you carry yourself you know and that's how i feel you know and if and if anyone is selling out it's the people that they change you know because i feel like as a in a band when you're starting off really low playing clubs and garages and like small clubs and whatever and then you grow up and be this band that everybody likes it's not like it's not the band that sells out it's the fan that sells out on the band the band is just trying to be successful 
and trying to share their music with everybody. And what I, f- I feel like people get so selfish that they find something, they want to keep it for themselves. And then when everybody else finds out about it, it's not good anymore. It's, it's not cool. Well, that's because you're, you're projecting your own personal attitude towards everybody. It's like, that's mine and you can't have it. Do you want to be around people that are selfish? Or do you want to be around people that share the joy of what they're seeing? So don't ever not like a band because it's now it's like everybody loves it. Enjoy it with everybody else because you help bring it there. If anyone to blame, it's you. <laughs> You're the one that shared it with your friend and he shared it with his friend. And now they're huge and they're on the radio and now everybody wants a piece of them, you know. So the true, you know, the true poser is the one that sells out on the people that they respected and they wanted, you know, to keep it to themselves, you know. Selfish behavior. Very selfish. Is what that is, Steve Caballero. Does anybody have any questions for Steve or stories to share? You're awesome, so we will go back to you, but let's open up. I'm coming back to you. We're coming back around. Uh, E? Down here, please, if you would not mind. Elliot. Hi, I'm Ray. I am from Seattle, Washington. This is my first cruise. Um, Welcome aboard. Thank you. I wanted to share that I am six months sober from fentanyl. And Um, I don't necessarily believe in the Christian God, but I have found God in a lot of different ways. I am a polytheistic pagan as well as I feel that I have found God and love in the music and the family that's here. And it's, it's inspired me in a lot of ways to not just stay sober, but to find something that sparks me in my life. And I find that that's, that's the most important thing about any kind of faith that you can have, that you find something that sparks you, whether you're Christian, Jewish, any religion that you believe in, find it in your heart and follow it with the passion that you have for life and for love and not just what you feel you're supposed to do. Bless you. Um, That's kind of where I hope to be in six months is with that conviction and confidence in the importance of all of this but it really is like music is a religious experience to your point anybody who goes to a show it's a collective gathering right we go there to attain a higher power and place in our minds for that moment and then this cruise has always been as i said that and you you all know that because you're here and you're experiencing it um well you said you said a really important word and that was the word conviction And it's a strong word. Uh, I've been convicted. Many, I've never been to jail. I almost went to juvenile hall before I discovered skateboarding. And I think that's kind of what helped me attract to skateboarding. Um, but I, wasn't, I didn't live in a very good neighborhood. Um, so um, a lot of my friends that I went to high school with are either dead or in jail. Uh, just because of the, where they grew up. But conviction, I really didn't know what that word was until I went to church and became a Christian. 
And uh, it's a strong word. I love it. I love being convicted, my heart being convicted, because that conviction in your heart is telling you <clears throat> that you're going down the wrong path. And a lot of people don't feel convicted, and that's fine. You know, uh, a lot of atheists don't feel convicted because they don't have that judgment on them. So it's, it's impossible for them to feel that. But when there's certain, like, okay, so like this boat, there's certain rules that you have to follow. And if you don't follow them, you're going to get yelled at by somebody. Don't you know? belly flop off the top balcony is one of those rules. You know, Just saying. Me and my girlfriend were backstage Pennywise. I was about to play, and I was getting yelled at by the stagehand. And she's like, you can't, be, you can't be back here. I'm like, I'm about ready to play on stage. You can't be back here. And I'm like, I don't care what you say. <laughs> the punk rocker in me is like, I don't care that you're authority here. I ain't listening to you. I'm going to go on stage. But I'm just saying, she had her rules, and I broke it. So what I'm saying is there's rules to life. There's rules to situations. And God has a lot of rules. And I feel that people don't follow God because they don't want to follow those rules, which is fine. You're your own person. Do what you want. But if you end up in a certain place, realize because you didn't follow those rules, that's why you're there. So don't blame anybody but yourself where you're at in life. You know, why you have no friends, you know, why you're on the streets, uh, why you, there's nowhere to go because the choices that you made and the relationships you made on the way, you know, um, people end up places because of their choices. So the conviction that I get from going to church and hearing a sermon is not one to make me feel ashamed or bad about myself, but it's to show me that the path that I'm on is not the path that God wants me to be on. And what I've known about God and is he wants you on this path to protect you, not to control you. You know, you always hear about, yeah, I don't want to be controlled by this religious sect, you know. Uh, I don't want to follow these rules. Well, these rules are put out set to help protect you um, in a manner where you're not finding yourself empty, you're not finding yourself lost, you're not making bad choices. So when I get convicted at church, I love it because I feel like, okay, I, I got to get back on track, you know. And so that's a healthy conviction for me. And that's why I love going and hearing God's word because it'll let me know where I'm going, you know. And I'm not always, you know, heading down that path, you know. And sometimes I need to, I need to hear that message again to remind me because, you know, we are very forgetful. And um, in order to be really good at something, you have to practice it and you have to, it has to be a part of you. So once you hear it a lot, it becomes a part of you. As a parent, I have three kids. And so I've seen it firsthand uh, where when kids come into the picture and they're their own person as well. You know, obviously my uh, ex-wives, uh, we both created them, but they're their own person. You know what I'm saying? So 
there's a point where they're going to start listening to their own way. Even though as a parent, I've had rules and regulations not to hurt them, but to try to lead them on a path because I've lived this life before and I didn't want them to make the same mistakes. And what I've learned in life is you don't have to make the same mistake as someone else to experience it. Like a wise person will learn from other people's mistakes. You know, I don't have to shoot up to know that heroin is bad for me. I can just see what, you know, has happened to other people. I mean, I've gone on tour just recently with my band Urethane. And we went to Vancouver in downtown Vancouver. Oh, my God. It's insane. The drug addicts that are just hanging out on the streets with needles in their arms. And I thought that Canada had it going on. You know, I thought they, they had a control over that, but they're just as bad as Portland and, and whatever San Francisco saying it with the drug scene, you know, so it's everywhere and it's happening everywhere. Um, but like I said, as a parent bringing up my children, um, <clears throat> I've tried to teach them things that I learned, the mistakes that I made, and I didn't want them to go through the same thing. And that's my love. That's me sharing my love to them, not to be the controller. That's me showing them. So God, the Bible, they're all full of stories that things that happen in the past to people. And God just does not want you to make those same mistakes that they did. So they share these stories to let you know where these people ended up. And if you're going to be so prideful and be like, well, that's not going to happen to me. Well, sure enough, it will happen to you, <laughs> you know, because you can get caught up in the same things that have been written thousands of years ago. You know, so, you know, people say like, oh, I don't want to follow that book. It's just full of stories, made up stories. Well, made up or not, there's truth to them. I'll say that again. Made up or not, there's truth to those stories. And if you think that that can't happen to you, you're, well, then you're a fool. So. I respect the hell out of you, Steve Cavallero. We were hanging out backstage before coming out, and I was like, we're going there. I hope that you take from this talk some kind of positive, thought-provoking incentives to move forward as we get off the boat tomorrow. I don't know. Is anybody feeling good? Are we feeling good about this chat? I know it's intense. Yes, Elliot. How are you? Hi, Steve. My Hi. name is B. I'm from Oceanside. Yay, neighbor. Yeah, yep, yep. I've seen you around a lot. Um, I want to know what your favorite skate park to skate around SoCal is. And um, did you watch the girls in the Olympics last year? What do you feel about it? Um, well, I have two favorite places. One is Poots Park in Encinitas. Uh, we have sessions there pretty much every day. Um, and then I'm very fortunate enough to be able to skate Tony Hawk's private vert ramp, which is Show four off. minutes from my house. So that's a great place to skate. Um, I love the fact that there's women skating. Um, I've wished that since I first started, you know, I've seen them come and go. Um, but it's pretty amazing how, you know, how far it's come and how many, uh, women, are into the sport, you know, started really young ages to older women, um, both at Burt, Street, and Park. Um, 
little dis- little disappointed on the American girls. Um, I feel they've been very super lazy. I felt like there's been some Japanese women and Brazilians and Chinese that have pushed the level up, which that did not need to happen, but it, I'm sure it will, you know, get a little fire under their butts. But um, I've seen the progression in the female, you know, in skateboarding, and I, I felt like it, it, it could have been there years ago. But it's taken people from other countries to help push that level up. You know, so I'm, I'm stoked. And like I said before, you know, when the X Games came out in 95, 96, um, people did not like that. They didn't like it, uh, skateboarding being shown as a sport, you know. Um, so there, a lot of skaters got a f- lot of flack from that. But it el- helped elevate the sport and brought it to a, a, a broader audience, which helps promote the sport. So, you know, any of those kind of things that have the mainstream has helped elevate the sport is good for the sport. You know, had there been other companies, people made money off what we've created, of course. But they've come and gone. But the true hardcore skaters have stuck there, whether it's been in, on TV or in the newspaper or it's just done it in your backyard, you know. And I've seen the wave of skateboarding grow since the late 70s. So um, I'm proud to be a skateboarder still today. <clears throat> it's amazing that it's in the Olympics. I feel like we've already had our Olympics with the X Games. There's nothing any different, you know, except for maybe other countries getting involved. Um, so it's not, I don't, I don't feel like the Olympics is that much of a prestigious thing because we, like I said, we've already had our own Olympics, you know, the DIY of, X Games is the DIY of the of the Olympics, I feel like. Um, but it's great. It's amazing to see that. And, yeah, it's incredible. Um, I just skated in Japan last year with a little seven-year-old Japanese kid. His name is Emma. And he was so cute. His dad told me he practiced the day before I came to the skateboard park in Japan, the 900. Right, the he's, one that he's how old? Seven. He was practicing it the day before because he wanted to show me how he could do a nine hundred on his ramp, and so I went there. It was skating, and he, I could tell he wanted me to go to the vert ramp to watch him. So I went and watched him, and I saw him do one, and I'm like, oh shoot, I didn't even get my camera out to film it. And so I asked his dad, I'm like, you think he could do another one? <laughs> And so he did. He did another one. <laughs> I have it on video, yeah, and I've shown it. And it's just amazing. So since last summer, I've been following his feed, and he's the first skateboarder that's ever done a 900 in a row. So a 900, because he was very squatty when he was doing it. Now he's standing up. He's, I think he's eight and a half or nine. Like he's, he's not seven he's anymore. He's a 10. He's, yeah, he's, like, he's eight eight or nine. Um, but he's the first person to do two 900s in a row on a ramp at that young age. And what I love about Japan, I don't know if you guys ever been to Japan. It's one of my favorite countries I've ever visited. Um, I, I feel, you know, they're not perfect either. They got some things that are not cool. But 
I love being there in Japan. I love how clean it is. I love how safe it is. You could leave your wallet on the ground, walk away 200 feet, come back, and it's still there. That's, they don't believe in, in taking other people's property. Um, I never feel like I'm walking around and someone's like mad dogging me, like judging me, look at what, what I'm wearing or giving me an attitude. That's the first country I've, I've felt really safe in. You know,、um, so if you ever get a chance to visit Japan, they got great sushi. It's amazing.、Uh, you know, great ramen.、Uh, but it's a really, you know,、um, it, you feel really safe there. You know, you don't feel threatened. And I've been to other countries, it's the complete opposite.、Um, you, you know, you turn your back and your shit's gone. You know what I mean?、Um, And a lot of that happens in the US too, you know.、Um, but Japan is amazing. I love that country. So, oh, and I found out when I'm 59, I didn't turn 59 on this boat. When I was 35. On this trip. On this trip. Yeah, the yeah. first day, November 8th. Was Happy November birthday, 8th. Steve Caballero. <laughs> Thanks.、Uh, Your cards was... in the post. What's that? Your cards in the post. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when I was 35, when my dad passed away, I found out I was Japanese. I never knew I was Japanese. So you all know me as Caballero, Caballero, or Caballero, however you want to pronounce it.、Um, but I found out that my grandfather was、uh, Samuel Nakahara, which was pretty interesting for my parents and my brothers and sisters to keep that secret from me. And I don't know their reasoning. Everybody has the reasons why they're, they're hush hush about certain things. But、um, I never knew I was part Japanese. So I'm a quarter Japanese. And I have a gentleman writing a book on my life right now. And he's discovered a few things about my Japanese side,、uh, where my grandfather was born. And so me and my oldest brother are going to venture off into Japan and try to find that family、uh, someday that I never knew. So,、um, if my dad never changed his name from Caballero to, I mean, from Nakahara to Caballero, I would be Steve Nakahara. And everyone would be doing half knacks <laughs> and wearing half knack shoes from Vans. There it is. So, but Caballero、uh, comes from my dad's mother's side.、Uh, she was Coltilde Caballero. And so she, he grew up. With his grandparents. So his uncles became his brothers and they adopted him. So that's why he changed his name to Caballero. And he was in the Navy. And at the time he was in the Navy, you did not want to be Japanese in the US or you'd be put in a camp. Never knew about that until I saw the Titanic or whatever.、Uh, no, not Titanic. Don't mention the Titanic, dude. What, not <laughs> What movie was that? <laughs> oh, Pearl Harbor. Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm old. Hey, I can use that as an excuse. I'm old. <laughs> I forget. Anyways,、um, thank you guys for joining us here. I appreciate、uh, you spending time with me and let me share with you. But I'm just letting you know everything has come from the bottom of my heart.、Um, I'm being as most honest I can with you. And I'm always here to answer anyone's question about my own life. About my spiritual path, about God, and how He's affected me. And 
You know, when I became a Christian in 2005, I said, okay, I'm going to give this Jesus guy a chance. And if I find anything whack about Christianity or Jesus, I'm out. Well, it's 2023 and I'm still a Christian. And the only thing I've found whack about Christianity is Christians. I don't find anything whack about Jesus or the word of God, but Christians can be wacko sometimes. <laughs> so if I come off wacko, I don't care. You can, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> so just to let you know, I love God and he's going to be part of my life for the rest of my time here. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom, Steve. And, uh, I want to thank the Sixth Man crew, uh, not just for this moment, but for all the hard work they do behind the scenes all the time to truly bring. I've done a, I've done a lot of different cruises with them. I've done like Kiss cruises and Emo cruises and other cruises, but the Flogging Molly one is the one. And um, there's something about this one that's authentic and inspiring and incredible. Am I right? So. Thank you for being in my life and giving me hope in humanity. Has anybody got any cough syrup? Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.